Welcome to Inside Maine. This is Angus King. Thank you for joining us. And we're talking today about a hopeful development in Washington on a very important issue, and that is uh, the formation of the Climate Solutions Caucus. And the big news is it's bipartisan. And we've got uh, both parties plus me talking about how do we approach this pressing issue of climate change in a creative way, in a realistic way, in a pragmatic way, and actually try to get some things done? I have with me uh, Senator Mitt Romney of uh, Utah by way of Massachusetts. Uh, of course, we all know him in New England as the governor of Massachusetts. And uh, Chris Coons of Delaware, who were really instrumental in forming this group. Uh, uh, Mitt Romney, what uh, what prompted you to sort of step out and say this is something we got to attend to? Well, I, I think anybody who pays any attention to science at all uh, recognizes that the uh, planet's getting warmer, uh, that uh, emissions are uh, causing a great deal of that warming, uh, and that uh, we have to take some kind of action to deal with that. Otherwise, we're going to face some very serious consequences down the road. Uh, I, I know there's some people who don't think humans are the cause of the global warming, but I hope humans are the cause of the global warming. Because if we're not, why then there's nothing we can do about it. Right. So we need to take action uh, that uh, that is aggressive and and uh, and that is able to uh, to change the trajectory of the extraordinary growth in greenhouse gases. And and the the consequences are not merely uh, you know sort of uh, just environmental. They're dollars and cents. They're major storms. They're fires. I'm on the Armed Services Committee. We're talking about billions of dollars just to shore up uh, uh, U.S. naval facilities around the world, Norfolk, Virginia, for example, uh, based upon rising sea level. I mean, this this is a this is a, a national security issue as well as an environmental issue for the country. Yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to um, uh, overestimate the kinds of consequence uh, we will have if the planet continues to get warmer. If we get to three, four degrees Celsius uh, by the end of this century, uh, higher than we are today, why uh, we will see uh, extraordinary consequence militarily, but also economically. I mean, all of our coastal properties, which, by the way, are, are typically worth a lot of money yeah. and they have mortgages on them and people own these things, the coastal property values would collapse. Uh, people would lose their money that they had invested in their home, but the banks that put out the mortgages would lose as well. I mean, so you have economic impact. Uh, parts of the country that are raising certain crops would no longer be able to raise those crops because they'd no longer have the conditions necessary well, to do so. One of the things so, we're – a yeah. practical effect we're worried about, when you were governor of Massachusetts uh, and I was governor of Maine, there was a pretty vigorous lobster fishery in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. It's all gone now. Yeah. And the in seas, Maine, the lobsters are, are moving up. Into Going the to Canada, toward, yeah. toward uh, Nova Scotia, yeah, uh, and you know these are people that have made their living for generations. Uh, my approach to this Climate Solutions Caucus is: uh, we're not going to solve this all in great big bills, but we need to pick pick out some practical bills that are already pending that we can get together and move. Is that how you're approaching this? Well, I'd like to see those bills and see what kind of impact they could have. I'm actually spending more time looking at, uh, at the, if you will, the larger uh, recommendations that are coming from folks like George Schultz and, and Jim Baker and, uh, and, and, frankly, even from the energy companies. Exxon and Shell have signed on saying, look, we need to have a, a fee assessed for carbon. I 
per ton of carbon emitted, uh, and then a dividend back to individuals to compensate for the, if you will, the additional costs associated with that fee. That has a big impact uh, on creating new incentives for people to invest in new technologies that hopefully will be not only adopted here, but adopted around the world. Because as you know, they don't call it America warming, they call it global warming. It is global warming, and so we have to find uh, solutions not just for America, but solutions that will be adopted by other nations uh, so that they decide, okay, instead of building new coal plants, we're going to adopt these other technologies that have been developed in the U.S. and elsewhere. Yeah, because so, we, could, yeah. we could do everything in the world, shutting down factories, smokestacks, everything else. And if India and China continue building coal plants, uh, that's why it's got to be an international uh, an international effort. Yeah, I'll, I'll just note we we have uh, 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 Senator Coons here, so I'll, I'll I'll let him jump in. But I will just note one thing that was a shock to me, which is if we were to somehow shut all of the power plants in America and get rid of all of our cars, greenhouse gases still keep going up, and, and that's because, as you point out. China, Indonesia, Brazil, India. I mean, these people, as they get washing machines and air conditioners and automobiles like the Western world has, why greenhouse gases go up. So us doing better here in the U.S. is a good thing to do. But the most important thing we can do, in in my view, is to create the incentives in the private sector and the public sector to create new technologies that will be adopted by the world. By everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Coons, talk about the international aspects of this. Chris Coons is a Democratic senator from Delaware, uh, one of the founders of this Climate Solutions Caucus. Uh, we were just talking about the international aspects of this. Well, it's great to be with you, Angus. Um, thank you. It's good to be with two former governors, folks who know how to solve complex problems. Uh, I'm on the Foreign Relations Committee. I chaired the Africa Subcommittee, uh, my first two Congresses. Uh, and I've been to several dozen countries on the continent. Climate change is impacting Africa. Um, faster, harder, more broadly than almost any other continent because it is underdeveloped, both in terms of their power sector, their manufacturing sector, uh, and because of where their population is and ways in which um, things like the Sahara is expanding. Um, They're having record droughts or having uh, record storms. We are as well. But uh, when you've got a population that's on the margins of survival, it's even more uh, harmful or impactful. And I also think there is an enthusiasm um, across the continent for deploying um, cutting-edge technologies uh, for renewable energy where you don't have an existing legacy infrastructure, where you don't have big baseload power generating plants that have already been paid for. Um, You've got the opportunity to look at newly configured infrastructure. Well, that, that's that's one of the reasons I, uh, when when Mitt and I started talking about this, I talked about you know some limited, you know, we, there are big issues like carbon tax and dividend, but uh, I think one of the most important things we can do is research, mm-hmm. yes. mm-hmm. is supporting uh, NREL, the National Renewable Energy Lab, mm-hmm. the the national labs, the the research, for example, into storage. If we can develop some really significant storage capacity, then wind and solar become baseload. That's right. And they become deployable globally. Um, We've got to find a way um, to both create economic opportunity for the United States and create a pathway uh, towards uh, a lower carbon or carbon-free future for the developing world. And that's going to require significant innovation uh, and investment. I'd add, if I could, uh, Angus, to NREL, RPE, because bridging the gap... RPE is is the energy research part of the Department of Energy. Correct. That helps with scaling up 
some of the developments and discoveries made in national laboratories. So um, there's a lot of risk involved. If there's 10 technologies for grid-scale storage, figuring out how you move it from the lab bench to demonstration scale to full market deployment um, takes a fair amount of uh, investment. Um, one of the things that RPE has, has done over the last decade uh, is to put modest amounts of critical early stage capital and then partner with private capital to scale up um, well, some of the things that would solve really big problems. Mitt, you mentioned that at the beginning, that one of the things, aside from yourself and other Republicans who have come forward to join this caucus, is that the private sector, the business community, is getting getting engaged. They see what's happening. Yeah, I'm very encouraged by the fact that you've got, in many cases, power companies, uh, oil and gas companies uh, uh, that are saying, yeah, we need to do something here. This is a, this is a real consequence on, on their long-term future, uh, not just as human beings, but as economic enterprises. Uh, we met with a, a CEO of one cement company, uh, and she pointed out that about 8% of global emissions uh, of greenhouse gases come from the manufacture of cement. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's a huge number. And and she said, yeah, we're we're looking for ways to dramatically reduce that amount. And so, uh, we 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 tend to think it's just cars and and power plants, but it's much broader than that. Agriculture, cement manufacture, steel manufacture, and as the developed world uh, it continues to expand in these areas, we have to find solutions in in each of them. I, so it, a... it takes it, it takes a very uh, a very aggressive effort to go piece by piece to find ways to reduce these emissions. I've got a great case uh, to share with you guys. There's a lab in Maine called Bigelow Lab that does a lot of research, a lot of biological research. They're on the trail of the fact that if you put a little bit of seaweed, of, of sea material in cow's feed, it cuts their methane emissions dramatically. And something like 16% of the greenhouse gases is methane, and a substantial, about half of that, comes from cows burping. Cow burps. I've heard, cow the, burping. Same, heard the same Burping kind. is a nice and way to put it. My, my wife no, would, it is burping. I think my wife would like to find some of that for me and my sons, but that's, <laughs> another, that's another matter. But, but you know, this, is, this, this could be a big deal. And, it's, yes, again, it it's based on scientific research, which is one of the ways we're going to get ourselves out of this. And we've also got to think about our own lifestyle and, and how we, uh, you know, what kind of transportation we use and the choices that we make. But uh, I'm encouraged. I, I have been here, this is my seventh year, and Chris, I don't know about you, but I've never seen such a high level of interest across both parties in trying to get at some of these solutions. We passed, I don't know, 30 or 40 bills out of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee this year, virtually all unanimous on things like energy storage, funding for research, uh, all kinds of, of uh, I think, some really strong steps. Totally bipartisan, and now we just got to get them to the floor of the Senate. That's the challenge. Um, so, Angus, one of the things I'm excited about with this Climate Solutions Caucus is the range uh, and the seriousness of the members who said, we all agree on a common problem set. Now we need to get uh, busy working on a solution set. Um, I think we all see this from the framework of we want to keep the United States a competitive economy. Well, frankly, we want to make it a more competitive economy. Uh, but we also want to take bold steps that will address um, what is a fundamental, even an existential threat to our country and the world. 
We've got some great ideas coming out of several different committees. Uh, my hope is that uh, our advocacy can help create the space uh, for those to become law in a Senate where at the moment we're frankly doing uh, very little other than judges and, and uh, nominations, and where early next year it may get even more divided. Well, the, the good news is uh, we're getting more and more people that want to join our little caucus. Yes, we are. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good problem to have. Well, we've got several caucuses that are focusing on the environment, and we may want to see if we can't pull our groups together and see if we can't, uh, even amongst ourselves, uh, find some common areas to work on. But but there, I, I think there's a recognition in my party that this is a real problem and that we need to take action. There are some who come to this more slowly than others. There's some perhaps who come uh, saying, gosh, the politics suggests we better get on this because young people consider this the most important issue the nation is facing. As well they might since they're going to pay the price. Yeah, right. They're going to be around for this. And uh, uh, and and my party is going to have a very difficult future if we don't have uh, young people voting for uh, people in my party. So I think there's just a political reality as well that this is uh, this is an issue we got to tackle. But I, I, I think I'm seeing some movement. Don't, don't you think, Chris? I'm optimistic optimistic about that, Angus. Um, I've been here nine years. I have never seen uh, a dozen senators say we want to sit down and have a conversation about climate and about what we're going to do about it. Um, the most I've ever seen is a handful um, that got very little it done. It was usually Sheldon Whitehouse in a phone book. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but it's now <laughs> more. Sheldon had many more adherents and followers and supporters in our caucus. But in terms of having Republicans actually enthusiastic about coming to the table and debating real solutions, that hasn't been the case. Senator Whitehouse of Rhode Island deserves a lot of credit for being um, the senator who comes to the floor every single week and gives a floor about a floor speech about climate change and has for years and years. Right. Um, and has pushed hard. Um, I was part of the delegation that uh, went to the Paris, uh, the, the conference of parties that produced the agreement. Uh, and it was clear then we had a half dozen members and Sheldon principal among them who'd been very actively engaged for a while. What was missing uh, was good um, partners on the other side. In fact, there was a Republican delegation and a Democratic delegation that went to Paris, you know, the Democratic delegation to embrace and encourage um, the then administration in signing a deal and the other um, to say this is all a hoax and we don't support this and we don't think you should do but it. But I think – I don't think that would happen again. That wouldn't happen again and today we've got a changed Republican um, team here that we can work with and I think that's exciting. Senator Romney, thank you so much for joining us this morning and, and for your work and I'm looking forward to getting some things done. We're partners of this effort. Thank that's you, it. Angus. Good. Thank you. Chris? Chris, I'm going to keep you for a minute if Please. I can. Absolutely. Uh, we're uh, – how do you see this evolving? Are we talking about uh, small steps, big steps? Mitt was talking about, you know, carbon fee and dividend. Uh, uh, and, and I think it's fine to have those discussions, but I'd like to get some, some – hit some singles here. Um, Angus, I think um, – Senator King, I think what we should look forward to doing in the next year – is getting a dozen smaller bills passed, ones that have already come out of committee, that are bipartisan, that have consensus support, but that aren't getting floor time. Um, Senator McConnell, the majority leader of the Senate, completely controls the floor. And only when some of his members come to him and demand action are we going to get a window for anything to get through. Right. Finding things that President Trump will sign and that the Republican majority Senate will pass that make progress uh, towards a a lower carbon future is a big challenge. And getting that done this year, I think, would then build some of the uh, consensus and confidence that would lay the groundwork for something much bolder uh, in 2021. 
Um, if there's a Democrat in the White House, um, I think there is a much greater chance that we can make significant progress on tackling climate. Um, if there isn't, then we've got the significant challenge of um, changing the, the attitude of but, President But Trump. this is the first time in my experience we've had Republicans here co literally coming to the table. Coming to the table in significant numbers. Yeah. And I'll remind you, Angus, the first meeting we had, we had a half dozen CEOs, uh, two from oil and gas companies, one as – um, Senator Romney just mentioned from Lafarge, the world's largest cement company, one from a baseload power generating company, and they all pushed for a carbon fee. Which I, I was amazed to, to find that. Yep, right out of the gate. Um, and some of them have been um, quite vocal public advocates for this for, for some time. So um, I think what's making this movement possible uh, is in part that industry is now advocating for it um, because they tend to make plans on a 20 to 30 year time horizon. Um, and the big oil and gas companies, the big infrastructure and industrial companies, they're already putting into their plans for the future a carbon fee. Uh, we need to get busy figuring out whether that is in fact the single biggest lever we can move, um, which I believe it is. And if so, how do we make it happen? And then how do we make it have the most positive impact? Well, interestingly, for the that's, been the, that's been a conservative recommendation for years. Conservative right. economists all said this is the way to do it is to yep. have the true price in the, exactly. in the market. The challenge, though, that, you know, I, I want to be able to go home to Maine and mm -hmm. say, don't worry, the government's not going to take this money. You're going to get it back. And we have to establish a pretty clean way to make sure that if there's a if there's a carbon fee of some kind and it increases the price of gasoline, that the people who are paying that price at the pump get it back. There will be a robust debate about exactly to what purpose these funds would be put. Um, as I think you know, I introduced uh, a bipartisan carbon fee and rebate bill in the last Congress right. where all the revenue was rebated except for a very small amount to administer the program. Um, there's other proposals that would take some of that money and build resilient infrastructure, finance uh, clean energy research, um, finance community transitions for states like uh, North Dakota or West Virginia that if we genuinely transition to a low-carbon uh, future would see a lot of economic uh, lost opportunity. There's going to be very vigorous debate about if we get a carbon fee, to what end would the funds be put? Would it all be rebated? Would most of it be rebated? You know, there's going to be others. And the size of it and, and the how size it would it. phase in over there, time. There's going to be others, Angus, who want to use it to make certain tax cuts permanent. There's going to be others who want to use that kind of revenue to pay for entitlement programs. I mean, there will be as many ideas as there are senators. Um, but I think having a dozen senators, Republican and Democrat, having a regular – And independent. And, and two independents. <laughs> help, helping folks think through what does it mean and, and how would we implement it, that's going to take a while. So if we have that conversation over the next year, then we might be prepared to actually move on a bold piece of legislation. And uh, on a final note, I think this place does in fact reflect the public. Yes. And uh, – in terms of my hearing from my constituents, this is one of the number one issues. This is particularly young people. This is something they they really get as impacting them and that we owe them uh, uh, at least a realistic push to do something about it so they don't have to bear the brunt of it. There's a reason that Time magazine has just named uh, a, a young young woman activist from Europe as the person of the year. Um, my daughter's in college in New York. We went to the climate strike marches and rallies in Manhattan. Um, there were climate-related rallies or protests or marches literally all over the world. 
Um, and I agree with you, Angus. It's younger people who see clearly um, that the news and the predictions have gotten worse and worse over the last few years. Well, most of the predictions have proven too conservative. Correct. They've, they've, things are accelerating. Faster uh, warming is Ice is melting faster. Yep. Sea levels are rising faster. And uh, I think I think everybody out in the countryside is starting to feel that in one way or another. And frankly, folks who were skeptics um, are seeing record wildfires, uh, record hurricanes, and recognizing that the economic and social impact is huge. Um, and then folks who are looking at the future and who believe in science are seeing dramatic, negative, and very difficult to reverse impacts. So it's time for us to get moving. Well, I don't, want to, end, to, I don't want to end on a negative note. I want to end <laughs> going back to the beginning. We're talking about the Climate Solutions Caucus, a small group of senators from both parties that are uh, – we're all uh, in this together. We've had several meetings in the last couple of weeks. We're working on a set of principles, and uh, we're going to find some singles and doubles we can hit this year while we're talking about the home runs. And it's great to have your well-informed, well-grounded, independent voice uh, in the mix, <laughs> moving us forward as someone who's both led an important state uh, and made a successful business uh, out of uh, helping move towards a cleaner energy economy. Well, let's see what we can do, Chris. Great working with you, and uh, we're going to keep going. Uh, I want to thank uh, Senator Chris Coons and Senator Mitt Romney for joining me this morning. And uh, stay tuned for more on Inside Maine. Welcome back to Inside Maine. This is Angus King. We're talking today about climate change and about climate change solutions. We've talked to Mitt Romney and uh, Chris Coons. And now I want to talk to Darren Collins, who's the president of the College of the Atlantic up in Bar Harbor. Uh, and by the way, I should mention uh, that this Climate Solutions Caucus that we've just kicked off is pretty cool because it's bipartisan. It's uh, Mitt Romney, uh, Gene Shaheen, Chris Coons, Mike Braun, who's a Republican from Indiana, Lindsey Graham, Michael Bennett, uh, and Lisa Murkowski, who's chair of the committee. So it's a good bipartisan group. We've got people actually, I think it's fair to say, clamoring to join, which is a good sign. And uh, we're following the Noah's Ark principle in the U.S. Senate, which is two by two. Uh, one Republican and one member of the Democratic caucus. And I say that because I'm an independent, but also a member of the Democratic caucus. President Collins, tell me about the view from College of the Atlantic of what's going on with climate change and how we can cope with it. Yeah, well, um, to be perfectly honest, right now, my view is out into the Gulf of Maine. I'm in my office up here in Bar Harbor, and I'm actually looking uh, into Frenchman Bay, and it makes me think about water, and obviously along the coast, that's something we're we're really concerned about. Um, we see, you know, warming temperatures, uh, whales moving in different directions. Worried about lobster, and um, yeah, for Mainers, it's going to, you know, these next ten years, we could see a lot of a lot of change, and, and that's that's worrisome. And this isn't speculative. This is data. You mean you, we, we know. The fishermen know about the movement of the of the fish and the lobsters and the shellfish, but also the temperatures. I mean, this isn't something we're predicting. This is something we're observing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been established that the Gulf of Maine is one of the most quickly warming bodies of water in, in, in the world. And um, 
that's that's worrisome. And uh, yes, here at College of the Atlantic, you know, we we work with fishermen and other scientists, and um, uh, to to try and think about how do we mitigate and adapt to a, a changing environment because we will see change without a doubt. Well, there there are a lot of there are not many home runs down here on this issue, but there are a lot of singles and doubles in the in the Energy and Natural Resources Committee. For example, in the last couple of months, we've reported out some major bills with research on energy storage, on energy efficiency, and you know the cleanest kilowatt hour is the one you don't use. And so, a lot, there's there's some pretty serious good work going on, but uh, clearly uh, a lot of a lot of places to go. Yeah, I um, I agree. I I think we're seeing a lot of good work among state and local governments. Um, but as you know, I mean the the conference of the parties negotiations in Madrid. I'd say that was uh, we we were batting O for three there. Yeah, um, that was a that was a disappointment. That was a disappointment. But I mean, I I think you're right. I think. We have to balance like this need for urgency. We we know we need to act now, but um, not overwhelm people either. We want people to participate in this and um, come together. And and you're right. There there are there, there's good movement at, at many different levels. So we need to make sure people understand that that good movement in addition to some of the troubling news we hear. Well, now, in, in, in the Mount Desert Island community, uh, my understanding is that you your College of the Atlantic is partnering with some local groups, and I remember being down there a couple of years ago and sort of kicking off a, a community solar project that was going in at the, down at the municipal uh, lot. Uh, That's right. So there, yeah. there are things going on, regardless of what we get done here in Washington. I think it's important to emphasize that a lot of these things are on the community level. They, they are. Yeah, you were here in 2017 when uh, the group A Climate to Thrive launched its, its work. And, you know, College of the Atlantic, together with the Climate to Thrive, with the MDI High School and with the Jackson Lab and with the MDI Bio Lab, um, we're, we're moving things here. And I'm, I'm really proud of what's going on on Mount Desert Island um, and again, it's a, it's a, it's one one piece of good news that that needs needs to needs to be heard. And uh, people are committed to moving MDI off fossil fuels. And just uh, a few weeks ago, the town of Bar Harbor was one of the first towns in the state to declare a climate emergency, which um, you know sounds like well, what does that really mean? And uh, that's a good question to ask, but. You know, the time, I really think the town is ready to step up to the plate and and help transform our our energy economy here on MDI. Well, I, I think the encouraging thing down here for me is that for the first time since I've been down here, we've got Republicans who are ready to talk seriously about this issue. Uh, and it, it's 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 been a while, and I don't think, as I say, there are going to be any big home runs anytime soon. But just getting to the point of, of acknowledgement of, and the fact that we've got these, the, the group that I mentioned, uh, you know, they're not liberal Republicans necessarily. They're, you know, they're staunch uh, conservatives. Uh, Mike Braun from Indiana, 
but uh, I think the fact that they're ready to say we've got to do something about this. Let me mention something that's going on here because it, it indirectly touches College of the Atlantic. I think one of the most important things we can do is research, is figuring out how to, for example, energy storage will enable us to go to an to a non-fossil fuel electric supply. If we can have wind and solar and store the excess energy when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing and then have it available, then you don't need fossil fuel backup. That's one of the things that I think is the most important thing we can do. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And in addition to those kind of technical advances, you know, we also need what for good or bad are called the kind of soft skills around negotiation and around finance and around siting and around coming together. And I, I, I do think you're right that this isn't a Democrat or Republican, a left or right issue. I mean, this is a, this is a global issue that we've all got to come together on. And I'm glad we're, we're seeing progress in that direction. Well, my experience uh, in, in difficult issues of public policy is if you can establish agreement on the facts, you can generally get to the policy conclusion pretty easily. Yep. If yep. people sitting around the table are sharing different facts or are holding on to different facts, then it's practically impossible. And I think part of the progress now is that uh, the facts are really coming into focus for everybody. They are. I mean, it's what Greta Thunberg was saying when she said, you know, listen to the scientists. Uh, um, we we do have we do have the facts and um, yeah I think with with them we can we can move in the right direction and that's going to require you know what changes here on the College of the Atlantic campus um, you know we're we're striving to eliminate the use of fossil fuels completely from our our campus by 2030 but it's also going to have to hap have to happen at the town level at the state level national and internationally and i'm really proud of maine actually i think governor mills has done a great job and i think we're um we're seeing really good progress at at the local state level and and state level and uh yeah it's exciting well it 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 is but I, and i don't want to be a downer but you mentioned international and and you know, one of the problems is we can do everything right, we can do everything we should do, we can make some serious sacrifices, and yet uh, if other parts of the world are just plowing ahead with coal-fired plants or uh, the other, I mean, but, but the problem is we can't tell the Indians you're not allowed to have air conditioning or the Chinese you're not allowed to have a second car. The question is how do we, how do we share uh, technology? I'd like to see a worldwide technological consortium to share research on new technologies to lead us toward a clean energy future rather than everybody trying to hoard the technology. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, wealthier nations need to understand the position that we've put us in as a planet also. And um, so it's, it's a balance, and you're, you're totally right. I mean, as much as we can do on the local and state and national level, I mean, we need a U.S. government that's, uh, that's behind this. And, you know, it took a, a U.S. government to put a man on the moon and a Marshall Plan, and this is of that, you know, of that status. Like, we need the federal government to really be a leader here. And, um, 
I, I hope I hope we can make progress in that in that direction. Well, I I, I, I think I see glimmers. I don't want to get overly excited about it, but I do see some uh, some openings. As I say, it's the first time I've seen bipartisan interest in this issue since I've been here, uh, yeah. and uh, we're going to try to. Uh, uh, we're going to try to nurture those tender shoots, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then I, I do want to ask you, because uh, I know College of the Atlantic has a deep history of environmental. I mean, that was essentially the founding of the college. It was, uh, yeah. in, in Environmental concerns. But uh, your your uh, research and scientific contributions can be important. And, and I hope that's uh, an area that you're going to continue to emphasize. Absolutely. I mean, is as depressing sometimes as the uh the lack of progress at the international level is like i i'm around young people all the time who are 100% committed they're super creative uh thoughtful and uh, and just very smart and to see coa students you know out there collaborating with you know the mdi high school with the governor and at the Conference of Parties itself, um, and to see our graduates go off and, and do things that are really, really changing the way we think about energy and, and consumption, I, I do, it does give me hope. Um, it, is, it is a great thing to be around those students, and, and, and um, that does... That's a good shot in the arm every day of, of hope, and we, we need that, too. Well, and I, I think part of the reason we're seeing a political change down here is that uh, those young people are active, and uh, they view this uh, as such a critical uh, problem that we have to address. They're the ones that are going to bear the brunt of it. Uh, they are, uh, yeah. The, uh, the, the baby boomers uh, have, have really not addressed this in a serious way, and and yet it's a problem that we're passing on uh, to the next generation. Well, President Darren Collins, thank you so much, and thank you for what uh, College of the Atlantic is doing, and uh, I'll look forward to, to seeing you up there. I was at the campus, I think, about a year ago, and uh, enjoyed uh, meeting and answering questions, some pretty direct questions, as I recall, from your students, and that's okay. That's, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, but thanks for what you're doing. Uh, keep it up and uh, keep in touch with us as, as we continue to work together to face this problem. Well, Senator King, thank you for your leadership. Well, keep in touch with us. Thanks for all the work. And thank you for joining us on Inside Maine. See you next time.